Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, hey, my name is Jared, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I want to welcome you who are here. Thank you so much for joining us in our live limited capacity. I just need to pause for a second. Uh, you actually can be alive. I want to let you know that. I think some of you maybe were nervous because we're live right now online. Yes, you can actually, because the comment section, I'm not going to lie, is putting you all to shame uh, right now. I just wanted to give you that update. Uh, so for those of you who are in our live limited capacity here worshiping with us, or for those of you who are worshiping with us at home right now, or maybe listening to this message later on our podcast, I am so glad that you are here and that you're actually a part of what God is doing. You know, we say this uh, regularly. If you are actually worshiping with us online, shout out right now where you're at. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, we have had a strong contingency from Mexico, from Brazil. We've had folks from Schaumburg, which is just as exotic as as those locations. And so wherever you're at, put in the comments because it helps us know what God is doing and how we can actually be praying for you. And so, so you can do that right now. Uh, I also want to thank, as Kelly did, uh, Jeanette Vega for reading our first passage coming out of Mark chapter one. This week, we are kicking off a 10-week study of the gospel of Mark called Bad News, Good News. And it's all culminating actually Easter weekend. And I Honestly, couldn't be more excited. The, like, the Bible nerd in me is low-key geeking out over this whole series, and John and I and the whole teaching team are all uh, contributing to this, and so I am so, so excited. I don't think we've ever done a 10-week sermon series in the 10 years of our church, so I want to encourage you to join with us however, wherever you can over these next 10 weeks. Don't miss it because I believe that it's actually going to be a powerful moment in the life of our church, that God is going to do something significant. He's going to move in and through our church starting today, and you're actually going to get a glimpse of that uh, today, because today is a very, very big day for us. Not only are we kicking off this brand new teaching series, but we're also celebrating baptism today. This is your... There they are. Awesome. Awesome. So... As we kick all of that off today, as we kick off this brand new teaching series, I have a question I want you to actually consider. You're going to answer this question. So for those of you who are in the room, you're going to lean over to the socially distanced person next to you and through your mask, give them your answer. For those of you who are online, I want you to actually type your answer in the comment section. Very simple question for anyone. When someone comes up to you and says, I have good news and I have bad news, What do you like to hear first, all right? What is it that you want to hear first? Go ahead and tell the person next to you, if you're in this physical space, go ahead and tell in the comment section, what do you like to hear first, the good news or the bad news? What kind of person are you? Are you a good news first person or a bad news first person? See, okay, so so for me, I'm a bad news first person. Anyone here bad news first people? Right, because here's my thought. Give it to me straight, and hopefully it's going to get better, right? Just give it to me straight, and it's going to get better. And I just think of the way that we're living in the tension of good news, bad news right now in our culture in this this particular moment. Like, good news, your kids are going back to school. Bad news, it's never going to be on the same day, and it falls within the lunar eclipse cycle, and you actually have to map this thing out three years in advance, right? Good news, you can come back into the office to work. Bad news... You got to wear pants. And so there's, we, we're, we're dealing with tensions, right, of good news and bad news. And so what I just want us to think about this weekend is what do you do when it seems like all you hear 
is bad news. What does that do to you? What do you do when all you seem to hear is bad news? When good news just seems like it's so hard to find? How do you have hope when all you hear is just more bad news? And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a time in my life uh, when I've heard more and more bad news than I have over this last year. It felt like 2020 was just someone saying, I've got bad news and worse news. That's what 2020 felt like for me. And those were our only options, right? From the pandemic to distance learning to stay at home orders to seemingly endless onslaught on black and brown lives that we've seen televised and has been a long part of our story, to a flailing economy, to rising unemployment, to an incredibly divisive election, to an actual insurrection that we had in our country, to Joe Exotic not getting a pardon. It's all been bad news. It's all been so much bad news. And that's actually on a, on a global level, we felt it. On a national level, I know here in America, we have felt it. But I also know that at a personal level is where we feel it the most. Because all of us have been dealing with our own personal struggles and battles with loss, with uncertainty, with isolation, with depression. And I, I, don't, I think it's too early to tell. I don't know how we're going to calculate the toll that that's had on the human soul. I don't know how we're going to be able to fully understand what this has all meant to us. But I do know this. I think it's safe to say, for all of us, I think it's safe to say that we need good news in a bad way, don't we? We need some good news in a bad way. We need good news that's actually bigger than the bad news that we have to wade every week through. We need good news in a bad way. Those of you who are in this room, can I get an amen on that? Those of you online, go ahead. You've probably already put in the comment section. We need good news in a bad way in this particular moment. And that's why I think this book study in the book of Mark could not come at a more important time. Because listen to me, the story of Jesus is good news. In fact, it's great news. In fact, it's the best news that you're actually going to hear given the year that we've all just had. It is great news. And that's actually where, if you look in Mark chapter one, that's right where Mark begins. In fact, I, I love this. If you wanna grab a Bible right now or open up a tab to Mark chapter one, I'm gonna be kind of jumping through a couple different verses, but I just want you to pay attention to how Mark uniquely begins his gospel account of the life of Jesus. And you see his intention and why it's so important for us to pay attention in this particular moment, some 2,000 years later, to where Mark begins the story of the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says this, the beginning of the what? The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. That's how he starts. This is the beginning of a good story. This is good news for you. Mark just gets right into it. This is good news. Jesus is good news. And I know, I know it's been rough. I know for all of us, we would say it has been hard. And I know there have been many times that you've wanted to throw in the towel, but this is good news. There is good news. And what you're going to find over the course of the next 10 weeks is that Mark doesn't just kind of like, he doesn't waste any time. He just gets, you see it from that first verse, he just gets right into it. Biblical scholars believe that the gospel of Mark was actually the first gospel account, the story of the life of Jesus, that Mark's was actually the first, that Matthew and Luke actually leaned into his account for the writing of theirs. They know that it was written by, as best they can tell, a disciple named John Mark, who was a disciple and associate of Peter, who was a direct disciple 
of Jesus. It was written probably sometime between 65 and 75 A.D., And unlike, this is for all the Bible nerds, and unlike any other gospel account, Mark actually frames his uniquely because Mark frames his gospel as a story. It's a story. He's not as focused on the historical perspective. He's not as focused on the specific details. He just wants you to know the story of the good news of this Messiah, Jesus. And so this gospel account cooks, like it's moving. He is action-oriented in his telling of the story of the life of Jesus. His destination is a resurrected Jesus, and his invitation is for you to have new life in him. I want you to think of the Gospel of Mark over the next 10 weeks. You know like when you put in like to Google Maps, and it gives you options of routes, and it lets you choose the fastest route? Mark is the fastest route, right? And just real quick, who doesn't choose the fastest route? What is going on in your life that you're like, 27 minutes, 32 minutes, I'll take the 68-minute route. What's going on in your life that you have that much time? Anyway, Mark is the fastest route with no tolls to the life of Jesus. And so that's why we're going to just jump in right into verse 9. We're already 30 years into the life of Jesus. We're at this moment of his inauguration into ministry. And so if you have that Bible open or a tab open to Mark chapter 1, we're going to dive in the next couple of verses and starting in verse 9. Let's just dive right in the spirit of Mark right now. It says this, Mark 1, 9. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, up to this point in the story, as we see in, in Matthew and Luke's gospel accounts, Jesus was living in the mystery of obscurity. His cousin John was actually out in the desert uh, preaching and calling people into repentance. John was baptizing them as a symbolic act of the forgiving and the restorative work, actually, that God was here to do. And then here comes Jesus walking toward that water. And I think it should go without saying, I think you would probably agree with this, that Jesus did not need to be baptized. There was nothing to be forgiven of. He was without sin. But out of faithfulness to God and to demonstrate the lengths to which God had actually come to be with us, he headed down into those waters of baptism. He waded into that water, figuratively flowing with the sin of the people like you and me. And this one who'd actually come to take away our sin was now waist deep in it. You have to imagine it standing there in those waters. And the text tells us as, as soon as Jesus was raised up, those gathered there witnessed something incredibly spiritually significant, one of the most beautiful and intimate and powerful moments in all of human history, a literal glimpse into heaven. Let's keep reading in verse 10. It says this, just as Jesus was coming, now you see that's Mark, just as, it's all action. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Heaven was torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. There was something so powerful about this moment that all of the the love and the joy of heaven could, could no longer be contained in that unseen realm. It just, it spilled over, it poured out. And if you've heard me teach on this moment before, you know that this is the only instance that I can find in the entire Bible where we actually see and encounter a physical manifestation of all three persons of the Trinity. 
It's the only place I can find where that's how significant this moment is. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the Bible where the sky bursts open and all of heaven seeped through. First came the Holy Spirit, came down and made its way to Jesus and completely engulfed him, representing the peace of God resting on him, residing in him. And it, there were eyewitnesses. Those who gathered there actually could see it. Whatever it was that that looked like, they could actually see it. But that wasn't all because then they heard it. They heard that, that, that voice full of all the authority of heaven and the love of a father. And this is what it says in verse 11. Mark 1, 11 says this. And a voice came from heaven and says this. You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. I am so pleased. You are my, think of all the things that God could have said in that moment. He could have said, hey, everybody, listen. This is Jesus. We've been talking about him for thousands of years. Pay attention. Could have said all kinds of things. He's on a mission. Look out. He could have declared all the prophecies to be true. Could have said all kinds of things in that moment. But what does he say? You're my son. You are loved. I delight in you. I'm pleased with you in all of who you are. Now, don't miss this because this moment at Jesus' baptism is before Jesus ever turned water into wine. It's before he ever fed the 5,000, before he ever healed the sick and the lame. This moment is before the cross. It's before an empty tomb. In that moment, he heard these words, you're my child and you're loved. And I'm so pleased with who you are. Not because of anything Jesus had said or done or because of anything Jesus would say or do. It was simply because God could not contain his love for his son. And so it burst out. It burst forth. And it's these words that actually sent Jesus into the last three years of his life. These words from which all of those miracles and all of those healings and all of those teachings would flow from. From that reality. It's these words that he would most need to hold on to as he hung on a cross for you and for me. And I believe, I believe with all my heart that these are the words that God has for you today. You are deeply loved. I could spend the rest of the day just looking every one of you in the eyes and seeing if I could find you on some sort of Zoom call online right now and tell you you're deeply loved. You're deeply loved by the God of the universe. You are deeply loved. You are deeply loved before, before you do anything, not because of anything you've done or could ever do. Long before your highest highs and your lowest lows and every point in between, you're loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Does who you are and what you do come out of that reality? I'm loved by the God of the universe. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. And there's not a thing you can do. Listen, there's not a thing you can do to earn it. There's not a thing you can do to change it. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. What does that mean? Well, that means basically this, that before you were anything, you were everything to God. I'm going to say that again because I think there's some folks that maybe they need to hear that. Before you were anything in this world, by this world's standards, you were everything to God. You matter to God. Before you achieved whatever it is that you've achieved, before you failed your biggest failures in life, before any of it, all of it, you were everything to God. 
He doesn't wait for you to get it all actually together. He doesn't wait until you figure it all out. He doesn't wait until you understand the Bible more or actually read it once in a while. He doesn't wait until your prayers sound more profound. He doesn't walk away from you even when you walk away from him. He doesn't have a limit on his love. He just loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He already loves you. He will always love you. You already matter to him. He already sent his son for you because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's not a more important thing for you to hear today. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. This is not, this is not just good news. This is great news. And it flies in the face of so much bad and broken theology that we've perpetuated that wants you to believe that God's mad at you or disappointed in you or bothered by you or worse, uninterested in you. Or that you have to somehow make it up to God or work your way back to God. Quite the contrary. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I love how Father Richard Rohr says it. I love how he says a lot of things. I love how he says this. He says that Jesus did not come to this world. He did not come to change the mind of God about humanity. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. You see the difference? He didn't come here to like convince God, no, 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 they're actually pretty good. I mean, they make a lot of mistakes, but they're all right, God, because that's so much of what our broken theology has taught us, that Jesus had to convince God to love you. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Jesus came to convince you that God loves you, to show you, to demonstrate to you that God loves you. It's us who've gotten it backwards. It's us who have complicated it. And could it be that's why Mark starts here, In his gospel account, he just starts right here at the symbol of transformation, at the statement of God's love. Because listen, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, for generation after generation after generation, it had only been bad news for the people of God. It had only been bad news. You thought this last year was bad? Try almost a thousand years of bad news. Things have got from bad to worse for them until Jesus, until this good news broke through until we see in and through Jesus that there actually is more, that there is hope, that there is love, that you are loved and that you can be made new. That is the good news of Jesus. The good news is that you can be made new. That is good news. You can be made new. You, yes, you can be made new. I don't know if you're going to hear anything better than that today. You can be made new. That is good news. And I know that for some of you who've been around this, I just need to say this real quick, because I know we got folks all over the spiritual spectrum here in this place and watching online, listening to the podcast. I know for some of you, you've been around the spiritual block for like a minute now, right? Like you've heard these stories before. You've been to baptism celebrations before. And this may seem like old news to you, right? You've heard this before. This kind of feels like, all right, I get it. Yeah, I'm loved by God. I got it. I got it. And if you were to be really honest, maybe you've even gotten a little bit cynical. You got a little bit, let me use a more theological word. You gotten crispy. You gotten a little crispy, you know, around the edges. Maybe you've lost that first crush love for Jesus that you once had, what you once hold. Because this is all, you know, it's old news. It's old news, but don't, don't miss this. Just because it's old news doesn't mean it's not good news. 
Just because it's old news does not mean that it's not good news, that it can't meet you and intersect with you and transform you right here, right now, in this moment today. And maybe today you just need to be reminded yet again, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. The God of the universe loves you. That hasn't changed. He hasn't changed, even if you have. Even if you have, that you, especially you, can be made new. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. That's what Jesus' baptism signifies. And every baptism that we're going to celebrate here today is, that, is that, that old things, that broken things can be made new. That dead things can be given new life. That things far off can be brought back home. That's good news. And that's what baptism is really all about. And what I want you to do is I actually want you to, like, I, I could go on and on and on, but I'd rather you hear it. I'd rather you see it for yourself through the story of one of my good friends, Josh, who's a part of this church, been a part of my small group for a while now, whose life has been made new. And he would tell you, he'd tell you, not made perfect, made new. There's a difference. Made new in Jesus. So I just want you to take a moment as we look and celebrate and anticipate what transformation looks like in public, let's check out Josh's story of transformation. So I'm Rosary from Indianapolis, Indiana, um, from a, a small farm town just west of Indianapolis. Yeah, I was raised by a single mom. Um, mom was white, dad was black. Uh, never met my dad. I always looked at it as like, I'm not gonna let that hold me back. Like, I'm not gonna let that affect me. And I'm not, it's like, it just won't. Like, I don't care. So I grew up in a, in a Christian home. The things that I was taught, it couldn't connect. Um, and, I, and I've read a lot of books about um, how fatherlessness affects your impact, it impacts the way you view God. I was baptized when I was like nine or 10, but I did it out of fear. I did it, I thought I was gonna go to hell if I didn't. And so I just did it. Um, and my life from, you know, from then on, I didn't, I didn't actually live out what I believed. Going to Notre Dame, going to Harvard, it was like I rewrote the history. Um, everything was gonna be okay. So when I was in my career, it was all about fixing or proving people wrong. It went from like, you know, early 20s of, of being, being in faith, but um, not really being there. And then slowly as I got into school, or business school and into work, like it went from, from like at least going to church and I'm going to church and God wasn't a part of it at all. You know, gra I graduated grad school, go into consulting, which is really competitive and tough. And I wasn't performing in one aspect of the, the five dimensions they grade us on. I struggled with it um, and it was strategic thinking. And when I look back, I wonder how much of that was was like the onset of depression because uh, I just couldn't think clearly. And the thing that I valued most about myself because of how I grew up was the fire. I can, I can take it, the punch. I may fall, but I can do it and I can get back up. With the depression, it was like the fire had gone away and every punch I'd get back up, but it was like part of me was left on the floor. The real turning point and change happened um, a few weeks before Christmas in 2019. You know, life was, was going in a way that I didn't want it to go. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just shaking. I couldn't, I couldn't stop, like, like hyperventilating. And a moment came through my head of ending it. 
And I thought about when I went to my grandpa's house, what I could do. And as quickly as that, that thought went in my head, it was quickly of like, who are you? It was like the resiliency of like, oh, why? Having to face the, face the, the reality of what I felt from race, um, fatherlessness, um, what people had said to me growing up, um, abandonment from family members, like all those things, like I just had to face them all. God needed me to like finally be down for the count. When the opportunity came up to get baptized in October, it was, it was a declaration to God that I didn't know what was gonna happen. I'm still scared. Uh, I'm still afraid. Um, I don't like the unknown, but I'm gonna choose him first. I'm gonna do my best to turn to him. I, I get to the door and the, I forget the name of the song, but the verse, he'll leave the 99 to find the one comes on and <laughs> in that moment I was like <laughs> he like this whole time I've been thinking I didn't have a dad and yeah he left the 99 to to wait for me for 33 years to come back to this moment and yeah it just like things became a blur yeah it, it was just uh, it was powerful um, for me just because of my whole entire journey and feeling like, you know, I walked away. I betrayed him. Yeah, and like understanding what betrayal feels like and understand like I betrayed him time and time again. And he still forgives me. He still loves me. Isn't that awesome? story. I love Josh and I, I love his tenderness. I love that for uh, someone for who, you know, he would say this was kind of old news. He'd heard it all uh, before, but suddenly it became good news. It became his good news that he, Josh, could be made new. And, and so can you. So can anyone. So can you. You can be made new. The same God who, who split heaven to declare to Jesus that all would hear that he loves him, that he's pleased with him, that he's with him is the same God who says to you today, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm with you. That's good news. You can actually be made new. And you can actually say yes to, to Jesus, right? Literally right where you are. I mean, you may be like on your couch. You may be in this room. You can say yes. You can come home to find that this perfect parent has never left you, will never leave you or forsake you. You can say yes to him today. Just say yes to him today. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna give you an opportunity uh, to do just that. Everyone who's gathered here, for whatever reason, if you have yet to say yes to Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to that. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, I wanna give you an opportunity to that. Those of you who are driving in your car listening to podcasts, you may have to pull over here in a minute because I'm gonna give you a moment to say yes to Jesus, to say what your heart longs to do. And then we're gonna celebrate the good news of what new life looks like, what transformation looks like through this symbol of baptism. As we say here all the time, if you've been around, you've heard us say it or you've seen it on the t-shirt, baptism is what transformation looks like in public. Baptism is a, is a physical manifestation of transformation. It's what it looks like in public. And so I just wanna say a couple words 
uh, real quick about baptism so that everyone here and, and is, is ready. And for those of you online, that you can sign up for the next time that we actually baptize folks or we want to help you get connected to a church in your area that can baptize you. Let me just say a couple words about that real quick. And to do that, I'm going to go over to the tank. Follow me, if you will. Uh, I need to say a couple words about baptism, about the symbol of baptism, about this act of baptism. It's important that we pay attention to this, uh, that baptism is really just that. It's a symbol. It's a metaphor. It's an image. It, it, it is about being cleansed, being made new in Jesus, right? That he washes away your sin, right? He makes you new. But there's also powerful uh, imagery in the being buried with Jesus, that we're literally, when you see the way we do it here is we put someone under the water. Some people fight it. Uh, we put them under the water and then we raise them up. Why is that important? And again, there's lots of different ways to do baptism, right? But the reason we do that is because it's the symbol of being buried with Jesus and then being raised to new life with him. And so it's important important to say, and every time we say it, there's nothing magical about this water. There's nothing spiritual even about the water itself. It's Lake Michigan water. It's the same water they got up in Wisconsin. And if it's good enough for Wisconsin, it's good enough for us. And so it's not, it's not about the water, it's about the symbol. And for some of you, you may have been baptized as an infant or as a kid, and you wonder, does this moment, does this baptism, because some of you didn't you came here, you're not knowing you're going to get baptized. You're about to get baptized, so I'm going to tell you this. For some of you, you may think, does this compete with that baptism? Does this baptism compete with what my parents did when I was a baby or when I was a little kid? And just to be clear, what your parents did, that what they were doing was setting an intention for you. They were saying that our hope, our prayer, is that you would say yes to Jesus and follow him your whole life. That's what your infant baptism was about. So no, this does not compete with that. This completes that. Does that make sense? This is saying, yes, I have chosen to say yes to Jesus, that he is my way. And so that's why this is important for you to choose today to say yes to Jesus. So it doesn't compete, it completes. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so let me just say this uh, on kind of the, the detail side of things. Some of you are like, well, I'm gonna get baptized today. I didn't come here knowing that I was gonna get baptized. I wasn't sure. Our team has thought of everything for you, literally everything. There's no reason that you cannot be baptized today. They have shorts for you. They have shirts for you. They have hair products. They got Soul City Spanks for you if you want them. I, we don't have that, but maybe one day we can afford to have that. Everything is taken care of so that if you want to be baptized today, maybe you came with someone who's being baptized today and you're realizing that you have yet to say yes to Jesus. Today is your day to get baptized. In a moment, we're gonna encourage you to do just that. We want you to, don't miss this moment, okay? That's important. All right, so I wanna say one last thing about this before I pray, because I think it's important. I, I, sometimes we miss this part. I think it's incredibly important in Mark chapter one to pay attention to what happens immediately. And Mark says, I almost fell off the stair, immediately, immediately what happens after his baptism. It says that he was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted by the devil for 40 days. The same spirit that rested on Jesus with peace compels him to go into the wilderness and be tempted and to declare his dependence on God. That's where he went right after his baptism. What was waiting on the other side of the water was the real world. This is an incredibly important moment. But I just want you to know that what was waiting on the other side of the water was the real world. And in many ways, Jesus' baptism was essentially him signing his own death certificate signing his own death certificate. Because he'd spent 30 years in the comfort of obscurity, but from this moment on, 
It's the inevitability of the cross. He knew that. He knew where he was going. He knew what waited on the other side of the water. And I just want to say that to those of you who are getting baptized today, for those of you who've been baptized, it's an incredibly significant spiritual moment, but it doesn't vaccinate you from significant struggle in this world, <laughs> right? Because here's how, here's how this kind of works. New you, old world. That same world's waiting for you on the other side of this water, but you get to walk into it differently. You get to walk into it. You get to face it knowing something deeply inside of you that you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. I can be made new and still go face that old world. And Josh would tell you, I would tell you, that's what waits. It's not like after this, everything's up and to the right. We go back and we face life as we know it with an inner knowing. And I think that's why Paul can so confidently say in 2 Corinthians, when Paul lays it out for us so brilliantly in 2 Corinthians 4.16, this is what he says. He says basically the same thing. Therefore, we do not lose heart when we face struggle, when we get more bad news in this world. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we may be wasting away. It may be falling apart. It may be all just bad news after bad news after bad news, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day by day by day by day. Inwardly I'm being renewed. That's why this moment is so significant. I believe that is why Mark starts where he did. You were loved, you were loved, you were loved. Still going to face, that's the bad news. This old world is still broken and filled with challenges, but the good news is that you can be made new, renewed by the love of God inside of you. Jesus led the way that he made the way maybe today. It's just your day to declare that. So for those of you who are here right now in this space, there may be all kinds of reasons why you're thinking, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if this is for me, and uh, I gotta really think this one through, and I totally get that. This is not a pressure thing. This is not that kind of thing. I just, maybe you're like, I didn't come here today thinking I would do this. Like, I'm like in 17 layers here in Chicago because of what's going on. I don't know if I want to get my life more together before I do this. I want to kind of put up like an Instagram poll just to see like, yes, should I get baptized? No, should I get baptized? Listen, I get all that. I get all that. I get it. I get it. I get it. Here's what I would say. If you said yes to Jesus and for whatever reason have yet to say yes to baptism, I would just encourage you, what are you waiting for? There's water here. There's folks ready to baptize you. There's no reason to wait any longer. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. As I've told you this whole time, that's what we're going to do. And maybe for you, this yes is a new beginning. Maybe for you, this yes is a coming home for you, back to God. For whatever reason, maybe you've walked away or you've lost your way or you've drifted as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But today you're saying, yes, I'm coming back home and I want to mark this moment that I am going to be made new. I can be made new by Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. I'm going to pray for you. We want to baptize you. We got folks who are ready to do all of that. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to stand up, everyone who's in this room. And if you're at home and you want to stand up, I'm not going to stop you. But go ahead and stand up in this room. And I'm going to pray. And I just want to let you know, when I say amen, if you want to be baptized today, so you're saying, you know what? I don't need to wait any longer. I get that I'm loved by God. I want to declare that Jesus is my way. I'm saying yes to him today. Then you go straight out to our second floor lobby. Our baptism team is like top notch. They not only have everything figured out, they're doing it in a socially distanced, safe way. They're going to meet with you, give you all that you need, pray for you, and then we're going to baptize you. And every person that we see go from that old to new, from that dead to life, 
from that broken to whole, we're gonna cheer and we're gonna celebrate both here in this room and for everyone who's watching online. So with that said, let me pray for you and anyone today who wants to get baptized, don't hesitate, just go right out those back doors. If you're up in the balcony, you can head straight on down to the second floor lobby and our team will meet with you. Let me pray for us right now. Jesus, thank you that you are our way, that you made the way for us, that you showed us the way by you yourself being baptized, by you saying yes to God every step of the way, now would you help us say yes to you? For any person, every person, and I'm talking about those who are in this room, and I'm specifically speaking to those who may be watching online or listening later, and they felt like they had to earn it. They felt like they had to prove it. They felt like they had to make their way to you. God, would you break all of our broken theology and remind us that you already love us. You've already made a way for us. You always love us. There's always a way to come home to you, to begin anew in you. And thank you for the good news today that we can be made new. And so I pray right now for anyone who wants to say yes, that they would just say that word. Yes, they would say yes to you, Jesus. Yes, I confess I've made a mess of my life. I have not made it work on my own. I've hurt others and I've hurt myself. I've sinned. I've fallen short and I've lost my way. So I'm saying yes to you today, Jesus, for the first time. I'm coming home to you today, Jesus. I don't want to drift anymore. I don't want to do this on my own. I want to be renewed, made new by you today. And Jesus, thank you for the promise. That same love that was poured out unto you, that peace that rested on you is available to us today that the second we say yes to you, that new life begins. Not only life to come well after this life, but real life here in this world, this old world today. So would you help us say yes right now? For anyone who wants to say yes, say yes to Jesus. I say yes to you right now. And for anyone who wants to declare that and make that public today, we want to give them the opportunity to do that. We want to give them the moment to say yes to you. And so Jesus, because you said yes to us, we say yes to you. It's in your name that we pray and we say amen. Now here's the deal.